Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Track. Today, we continue our Best of the Doctor series by reviewing Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4, Episode 5, Remember Me, which features Dr. Beverly Crusher, portrayed by Gates McFadden. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Doing quite well, and as always, absolutely glad to be here. Yeah, man, glad to have you, dude. And also on the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here as well. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well, man. No complaints. No complaints. So we are continuing our Best of Doctor series with Remember Me. If you want to watch ahead, check out the Deep Space Nine episode, Hippocratic Oath, season four, episode three of Deep Space Nine. And we'll be reviewing that next. But what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review and also like and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are currently listening on to make sure you do not miss an episode. All right. And we have a bit of news from Jonathan. Jonathan, what you got, man? Uh, so just a few things I found and maybe everyone's already heard of it. Maybe not. We will have. Of course, they're releasing the first four Star Trek movies on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD in a box set, nifty little box set that I'll be getting, even though I do not have a DVD player. I'm still going to buy it. <laughs> but the great thing, and I don't know, maybe maybe you've heard this, maybe we talked about this and I don't remember, uh, but Star Trek Four will be coming to theaters mid-August for two nights. Yes, I think I saw that. Is that one of those Phantom events? Yeah, it is Phantom Events. That That's Thursday, August 19th and Sunday, August the 22nd. We can watch the whale movie. <laughs> <laughs> the one about the whales. <laughs> the one about the whales. So, yeah, that was a bit of good news. Uh, I'm moving kind of quick through here. I don't think we mentioned this happened before we did our last recording, but the uh, uh, Lordex season two trailer which had some interesting things in it, which you can go over it, but seems like the same as the first season. We got that. I don't know what you guys thoughts are on it. Yeah, I didn't. I saw a little preview they had, but it seemed like I wasn't impressed with what I saw. It just felt like more of the same. Yeah, it looks like they just threw a bunch of like <laughs> eye candy in it. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing new there. And the last interesting thing is Star Trek Discovery racked up. A few nominations for the Emmys. Oh, wow. Outstanding prosthetic makeup, outstanding period and character makeup, non-prosthetic, outstanding special visual effects, outstanding sound editing. Then Laura Dix got one nomination for sound editing for a comedy animation. I mean, there's no question when when you look at shows doing high well, it's funny that they're winning for the makeup, but I think they're one of the few shows that are doing high production special effects on television, too. Yeah. You know? So it's always good to see when they get some of those nods. And of course, their costumes are always makeup and stuff is always uh, top tier. And season the next season promises to be great because they're using the LED wall thing we talked about before. I kind of got a picture of a couple of those walls they're using, which looks amazing. Yeah, uh, another piece of news is that the One Division director, Matt 
Shackman has been tapped to helm the next Star Trek Abramsverse movie produced by Paramount Pictures and Bad Robot. So that should be interesting uh, <laughs> to see what he's able to do in the Star Trek universe. And of course, Kyle, we know from Lee's friend, our friend by proxy, David Deere, who did some of the storyboarding for, for WandaVision. So it'd be cool if he could get on this project, too. <laughs> yeah, very, very interesting. And, you know, I'm just, you know, wanting to make some joke here, wondering, will it be the Klingons all along? Will it be the Ferengis all along? Who knows? <laughs> Please don't let it be the Ferengi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But good stuff. Thanks for those updates, John. And uh, again, we'll try to drop some of those links in the show notes. We will move right along to our review today of Star Trek The Next Generation Remember Me. Remember Me is a fifth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. The episode was directed by Chris Boyle and written by Lee Sheldon. The episode first aired on October the 22nd, 1990. Dr. Crusher's fear of losing loved ones becomes real when her worries create an alternate reality. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. With that, we'll go to Cal Jones for the story beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. You never know. What do you have, Cal? So this time I'm going to be few words, but monumental. So here we go. She crushed it. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) That's it. This was awesome. She crushed it. (laughs) You know, I was looking forward to the anticipation of... (laughs) <laughs> of your intro. Well, I I, I was looking mm. forward to it and you did not disappoint, sir. Oh, thank wow. you, sir. <laughs> that, that is up there with the top echelon of, of uh, Cal Jones beats that. Wow. OK, <laughs> just three words. Three See, words. Let this beat go them down all. in history, even in discussing who discussing comics, discuss discussing everything. <laughs> Kyle spoke volumes in few words. She crushed it. Wow. I I never (laughs) expected that, but I am pleasantly surprised. (laughs) That should be the name of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. With that said, Jonathan, what are your overall thoughts of the episode, man? Man, I can't follow that up. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't. Oh, Man, so like I said, I've been going through TNG and just so happened I watched this episode a couple of weeks ago and, well, just to agree with Kyle, she crushed it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, Kyle, uh, I dare ask, do you have any additional thoughts? Well, I actually do. Obviously, obviously I liked it, you know, if, if, if that wasn't obvious, but it reminded me of why... Dr. Crusher is my favorite doctor from the Star Trek franchise as a whole. And I think she took, she being Gates McFadden, took a story that could have come across as almost hokey or cheesy to some degree and made me 
Not really because I didn't remember. I mean, I've seen this before, but it's been so long that it was like watching it again for the first time. I wasn't sure what was going on. I was with her. I was into the mystery of what was going on and not trying to be funny, but she crushed it. She, as the actress, actor, sold me the story. And I think there are some things that are not as strong as others in the story, but she sold the story for me. So very, very good on her part. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll agree. Gay Smith Fadden, she, she killed it. She crushed it. Uh, she was fabulous in this episode. Of course, I'm going to have some problems with the resolution of the story. It kind of felt more like a power of love thing at the end. But they do they do explain it in the context of what's going on in the Star Trek universe. And of course, of what we've seen already with the Traveler in, in previous episodes. We'll get into some of that. But, I, you know, just those parts about the storyline didn't sit that well with me. But obviously, I think I think uh, Gates McFadden was, was was excellent in this episode. And also just some of the the cluelessness we had to get from some of the crew, I thought was well done as well. So an episode that felt more like Twilight Zone than Star Trek, Beverly Crusher realizes that the mind is a powerful thing. I'd sum up this episode by saying, think happy thoughts or by saying, don't let the junior crewman carry out crazy experiments aboard your star, your <laughs> flagship vessel. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the warp drive, really. <laughs> oh, man. Let's get right into it. We start the episode at Starbase 133, where Crusher is looking um, to to have a, a old friend, an old mentor, and Dr. Dalen Quace come aboard. Quace, of course, is looking to head home after his wife has passed a sentiment that he and Crusher share. And, you know, we go to engineering where Wesley is just aforementioned, Wesley is working on an experiment to create some type of experimental warp field thingy. We see a flash. You know, this this is kind of the brilliance of the episode. We see the flash, but we don't ever get the sense truly that she disappeared. But we soon find that Beverly goes to Quasis quarters and he is gone. So any thoughts on this initial premise and and we honestly, I don't have a lot of questions for this episode because I feel like it's kind of it's just methodical in the way it kind of lays lays itself out. But people start mis- disappearing is the is the main thing here. So what were you guys' first thoughts when people started to disappear? Did you have any theories or, you know, have have you seen this episode so many times you just couldn't you just <laughs> you just kind of knew what was going on? <laughs> well, for me, like I said, I, I saw it. A couple of weeks ago before I watched it again before the podcast. Uh, but as you just mentioned, th- this initial sequence was done great. Like this was beautifully done. And it really put I mean, it, it put Crusher in a certain mind state to think one way, but it also put the audience in that same mind state. And like I, I originally so and I know we get further into, you know, theories of what happened. But, you know, initial Crusher's initial theory was that this experiment Wesley was doing was causing people to disappear. Yeah. And that was my theory. I mean, as soon as, you know, we get to Quasis quarters and he's not there. And then Worf so brilliantly points out, you know, <laughs> if he indeed was here, we just can't find him. Why would all this personal stuff be gone? Yeah. 
<laughs> I just thought that was a very, a very good highlighting of some intelligence from Worf that you usually don't see. And I'm not even saying he's not an intelligent person, but I mean, all of that just kind of led me to the theory that, man, this experiment is making people go bye-bye. <laughs> Kyle, did you have any <laughs> initial thoughts? Yeah, I did. See, I went completely different from where Jonathan went. And there's nothing wrong with the way Jonathan went, because that's his interpretation. Mine, however, was I initially, upon that first scene where she realizes he's gone, I'm thinking, okay, someone's going to be on the ship. He, This guy is either, you know, or someone has taken him and we're going to have to go find this person or this person that she trusts is not really the person she's always thought it was going to be. So that was my initial interpretation. However, I did pick up on the same thing, Jonathan, that you did with Worf. And I agree, it's not that Worf was not smart, but I think that traditionally that would have been not Worf in the interaction scene there, but it would have been Data. That sounded much more like a Data line than a Worf line. Absolutely. But I, I had a conspiracy feeling going on at first, thinking, okay, what's up with this guy that she knows? Do we trust him? What's going on here? More, before I started getting built into, okay, people are disappearing. Okay, is she crazy? Are they crazy? Is what's going on here? <laughs> well, that's, that's my next question. Is she crazy? Which really a question I shouldn't be asking. But, but I do... One of the things, and John, you just mentioned it, but I loved how with these disappearances, you know, we we start with, with Dale and Quace, but we get where each disappearance is pushed up against logic, you know, <laughs> you know and it becomes a, ba- a battle of Crusher's intuition or her belief of what's going on versus the logic of the situation. And one thing I can say what the episode did beautifully as well was at each turn, even though we as the audience knew what was really go- or something was something weird was really going on at each turn, the crew members always had a logical explanation until it got to the point of, of absurdity. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that just kind of that's kind of what pushed you to the what pushed me to the thought of, you know, maybe she is crazy. Well, I mean, we know what's going on, but. Like at a certain point, I've started to expect her to start thinking, well, you know what? I think I'm losing my mind <laughs> because it is, it's like the logic was impeccable at most at certain points. So like, yeah, I guess I guess that works. Maybe I'm crazy. But when she asked the question, is she crazy? That was one of the favorite lines that I had of the entire episode is when she's talking to Deanna and asked that question that we're talking about. And Deanna's response was, if you were, you wouldn't be asking me that. Yes. Good freaking point, man. And I guess for me, I, I again, I love like these explanations we got. She goes, of course, you mentioned Worf and, you know, his, his things aren't here. We get to data and oh, how come a crew of 1,040 some odd people, we only have 200 or something? How is that logical? And he says, oh, well, we this is a transport ship and we do all these other type of diplomatic missions where we got to carry people around. Like, huh, that that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it seems like at each turn we got a logical explanation from the crew again until it got to the point of absurdity. <laughs> 
what was actually going on. And that, again, that's what I really, really appreciated. And even the, uh, you know, when she goes to Chief O'Brien to get him to verify, like, I just kind of, at that point, I was like, okay, now we're going to come, now we're going to realize, everybody's going to realize there's a problem. Because either Chief O'Brien is going to remember it, or he's not going to remember anything at all, and she truly is crazy. But it, it was perfectly explained, like, yeah, I did see you, and you did walk in here, and you looked around, and you said thank you, and I said something like, my pleasure, and you left. And then, I, and in my head, I'm kind of thinking, like, did she, maybe she just, maybe imagine she just, it. imagine this guy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, was he invisible, or what's going on? <laughs> mm. So, so let me, let me kind of, you've mentioned Twilight Zone, Clarence, so let me pose a hypothesis I thought while trying to think about this episode. This may make our brains hurt a little bit. Uh-oh. Don't do it to me. All right. Well, I got to because this is, I think, good. Hopefully, this is good, which is we established that this is not a reality, but instead a reality that the warp bubble created, that she created. It's her own reality. So my hypothesis is the reason that you guys are saying that there's logic at every turn, this is her brain. If her brain created this, these versions of the crew that she's interacting with are extensions of her own logic trying to help her understand and cope with the reality that she's in as it's slowly starting to disappear. I know that's out there, but maybe i liked you better with three words <laughs> <laughs> okay she crushed it <laughs> that's uh that's that's deep but I, I could very well see that i mean but that kind of changes my whole thought process on it. are they real were they real i don't know i'm just wondering well well i think they ex- they reacted in the way she would expect them to really react and Hmm. Yeah, it's a little. I mean, honestly, you know, I go back to the Twilight Zone thing. This this whole reality is is all her, you know, in her mind. So I really we can't really apply too much logic to it, you know. True. Um, but I think as far as you know, I'm, I'm include the computer in this, the computer and the people were acting in the way she would expect them to act. Um, with the caveat, when somebody disappears, they they've disappeared from existence completely, you know, and, and, and honestly, for me, once it, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but the way the warp bubble was enclosing on the universe, I kind of thought of it in the sense of once that person is gone from the, the universe, then, then that event erases all of their existence, if that makes any sense. So say the starbase gets consumed, anybody on the starbase disappears from her existence. You know, the way it encloses in to where it's just her by the end. Um, so that's kind of how I had to logically do it in my head. Kind of like a sense. rough time par- paradox. Yeah. Well, what is that? Like the time paradox. Like if you erase somebody from this time, yeah. erase them in. The, yeah. Yeah. Like, that would extra confuse. But you, you know what kind of, kind of, I don't know how to say maybe held hope in for me was the computer. Yes. Like the computer was the only, and I'm holding up quotes when I say person, but the only person that was consistent through both realities. 
And I think I kind of got the feeling that without the computer, which I mean, we find out greatly more at the end, kind of helped keep her sane because it didn't answer questions based on her reality or the actual reality. It just answered questions based on a computer, which was weird because data was actually constructed just in her reality. Yeah. Mm. But but the thing is, like, and, and I like the way the computer was used, because when we do have a discrepancy normally on 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 a normal episode, we always lean on the computer to give us the correct answer. Right. Mm. Good point. So in her reality, the computer was acting accordingly to what was going on as well, but still logical at the same time, which was just the right. confusing part about this episode as a whole. Like things in this alternate reality were still logical, but they still make no sense. So, ugh. man, and kudos, kudos to her IQ throughout this oh, experience. Yes. Oh, like man. I'm watching this episode, and I know. So we're doing a series, basically comparing doctors, and I started putting other doctors from other tricks in this situation, and I don't think any of them would have handled it quite as well as she did. Mm. So, le- so let me t- take a variation of an agreement, w- agreeing with you, Jonathan, but let me, let me just do it a little bit differently. I think the Enterprise episode that we reviewed with Dr. F- was it Dr. Flox? Yes. Uh, right. yeah. I think it was similar in context and maybe even written a little bit better but I think she pulled it off much better than Enterprise did at a maybe a script that was not written as well. I think she did it better. So let me ask this. Do you think she did it better because of her acting skills or she did it better because she's a better doctor? Oh, good question. Very good question. I'm not going to take away from the gentleman that plays Dr. Flox because I liked his character. I think I'm going to answer it as a little bit partial because she's my favorite Star Trek doctor. But I just I think she sold, whereas he had the image that really wasn't there. She sold it with nothing but a voice. Maybe that's why I'm thinking she sold it better. Yes, she did have the voice companion with her, and he had a image that really wasn't there of a person with her, with him. I just think all the things just work better with this version than it did with that one. So no offense to him at all. Yeah, and I'll add like that. I think in 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 um, Doctor Flox's case, he had a whole he had one person to worry about, whereas um, Crusher had a whole ship of people telling her she was <laughs> wrong or had her doubting on her beliefs. So you know, just just being able being able to stick with her beliefs and thoughts through everybody telling her, not telling her she's crazy. They're still investigating. <laughs> But they're like, eh, not likely, not likely. Oh, but let me say this. One of the things that Picard said that I really liked was when she goes to him and he makes the comment, your word has always been enough for me. Yes. So good. Yeah, that was good. And even when they were going on a turbo lift and he was ordering Worf to 
you know, adjust the sensors and run diagnostics. And Worf kind of was in the <laughs> mid sentence, basically saying, "Listen, she's crazy." <laughs> but he was like, "Listen, I hear you, but this is Doctor Crusher. You're going to do what I ordered, and we're going to exhaust this till every possibility is gone." And you know what I mean? Like yeah. he completely defended her, but still kind of erred on the side of cautious, cautious thought. I'll say, yeah. you know, he he never really just foolhardily went in with her, but because who she because of who she is, he like did everything in his power to make sure. If you don't mind, let me mention this real quick because I did not write this down and if I don't mention it, I'm going to forget it, which is we got to see angles of the bridge I don't think that we normally see. Specifically, there was at one point where she's holding on to one of the chairs and you're actually look so close up to it that you see the fabric on the chairs. I just, that just stood out to me thinking we don't usually get that up close with the furniture and the 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 thing that goes around the bridge that everybody, you know, stands around behind the chairs. There was an angle that you saw at some point that I'm like, I don't remember seeing it, looking at it from this angle as usual. Yeah, I got to go back and watch that. I didn't notice that. The, I know what it is. It's when she walks into the bridge and there's no one left but Jean-Luc and then you know and he stands up and looks back at her that's where I'm going looking at it like oh wow this is all wooden here and we don't usually see it from this angle yeah those those blue vortexes that kept appearing and she almost gets sucked into Which I thought those are pretty cool. Those all of those scenes reminded me for some reason. If you remember the first Spider-Man movie where where uh the Green Goblin like um uh barges in on Aunt May and she's praying. Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a hilarious scene, but those that's what those scenes remind me of when she almost gets sucked in. But but anyway, I digress. <laughs> um Oh Peter. <laughs> <laughs> But that horrible, horrible Spider-Man. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> One of my favorite moments in the episode is when Beverly scoffed at Captain Picard when they were the only two left on the ship. Like, think think about this logically, Captain. Why would we be the only two people on this whole freaking ship? It it makes no sense. She just she just has to scoff at the situation and, and just kind of <laughs> ignore him. Ignore him and go about her own deduction of what's going on. Mm, but and still, you know, he, he has the response. We've never needed any anybody else other than you and I. Yes. I'm like, this is and, crazy. And, and even at that point where the audience is for sure saying, all right, this is very obvious that there's a problem. They're still like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, because I mean, obviously, you can see to once Picard disappears, she can pretty much control the ship. Yep, this is true by yep. herself. I mean, with the aid of the computer, of course. But I mean, so when Picard says we never really needed anybody else but you and I, like, eh, well, yeah, well, I mean, he's not wrong. In this big ass, big freaking ship. <laughs> <laughs> But that was that's what kept going over in my head. Like even even at the end of the day, I don't care what you say. Why would we have designed such a big ship for not so many people? Yeah, true. But I, I love what Beverly says. She says, It's not a delusion, it's not a dream. There is a physical, measurable phenomenon at work here. And she's determined to get to a solution. 
so let's 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 get into Wesley a little bit. And we kind of talked about it at, up top. But Wesley and the Kosinski's warp field equation, Wesley's warp bubble. And, and let me get this straight now. Wesley is working on an experimental warp bubble that can knock you out of your current space time continuum. Who thought this was a good idea to let the young uh, genius work on this on the ship? Uh, you know, I, I think we said up top, this is just a, a dumb idea. It seems like something you would do on the holodeck first to see if it works, where it kind of falls apart for me. It's just the thought aspect of it. I mean, I think I believe more that in the sense of Beverly Crusher's thoughts creates the reality reality that she's in versus Wesley's thoughts being able to come up with, I, I guess, come up with an equation with the traveler helping him to be able to reach her. To me, that kind of was a little wonky. How much longer was Wesley the character on the Enterprise? Did he leave shortly thereafter or was it an... Another season later or how long? So here's why I asked that question. As I'm watching this, and remember that you know I said earlier that it's been a while since I've seen these in order, so I obviously don't remember or I wouldn't have asked the question I just asked. But as I'm watching this, I'm thinking kind of meta, and it felt to me that this is the moment where Beverly as the character and Star Trek TNG as a show, outgrew Wesley. Hmm. Maybe. I, that's just how I felt watching it. It was like, this is where I felt like the character for Beverly Crusher no longer needed to be the mother of Wesley as part of her character that she was, not that she wasn't before, but she didn't, he was more baggage now than yeah, than an asset. I see what you're saying. Well, that didn't necessarily have to be part of her identity. Yes, that's that's where I'm going. I can get that. You know, he almost kills her. So, you know, after that, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to go back to your your initial issue, Clarence, I, I don't have an issue with the warp bubble per se. I mean, I mean, this is his specialty. Like this is this is what. Wesley has been studying. This is what he does. This is, I mean, eventually, I mean, they lead you to believe that he's going to be an engineer. I mean, I mean, he wants to be a bridge officer as well, but his primary goal, his primary specialty is engineering. I don't find it that big of a problem, although I do agree. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be running experiments with the warp bubble yeah. on the Enterprise. Uh, but the experiment itself causing a problem, I don't see an issue with, and I don't really see a big issue with him. I mean, there's always a warp bubble there. He was just trying a different equation to get better efficiency out of it. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it kind of, I enjoyed the episode, the initial episode with the traveler. And I kind of, when I saw that the first time, I wanted to kind of dig into that a little more. So I appreciated that. And I think that's kind of, in my opinion, I feel like part of this episode's goal was to kind of bring that back into focus a little bit. Yeah. And maybe they already had that plan to send them off with the traveler. So they needed to put that there. Not a big problem, although I can see your issue with it. But the traveler, he, his thoughts brings the traveler there. And his thoughts also is the reason his mom is able to come back. So I don't, I don't know. I just don't buy the, it, it feels less Star Trek and more, um, fantasy, to me, for some reason, 
Although, I mean, we, we, we make logical reason for it. Uh, one of the things I love, actually, another line in episode, the traveler says, as long as she thinks she is alive, then she's alive. <laughs> Riker is like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Which I said the same thing. So touche, Riker. Oh, man. But yeah, I, I don't know if I have any additional thoughts to add to this episode. Um, a great testament to the acting of, of uh, Gay Smith Fadden. A very challenging dilemma for uh, Beverly Crusher to, um, you know, when her reality is breaking down around her. And I guess good on the persistence of Picard and crew and, and Wesley in his thoughts to, to bring her back. And with that, we will go ahead and get ratings for the episode. And let's start with you, Cal. You know what? I really enjoyed this and I'm just going to say nothing more. I'm going to keep it short and sweet and say five. Oh, wow. All right. Five from Cal. What do you think, John? Um, hmm. again, great, great job by Gates McFadden uh, as an actor. Great job by Beverly Crusher as a doctor and great job by the writers for the story, although it probably lacked in a lawyer in a few areas, but it worked well for me with all things considered. Uh, that being said, I, I have a hard time accepting Crusher and I mean, not Crusher, Wesley Crusher <laughs> in most episodes. I just, his acting and which, you know, now he may could do better now, but then that I just, his acting just kind of edges me the wrong way sometimes for no apparent reason. I just don't like it. But so all that being said, uh, four for me, Oh man, I think Beverly, Beverly Crusher slash Gates McFadden was, was fabulous, but some of the logic in the episode doesn't sit well with me. So I'm going to come in at about a four as well. I, I do think it was a good episode and I don't know, for some reason I remember it being, I don't, I didn't remember the resolution. I will say that I remember uh, Gates McFadden being, been been fabulous in it. But it, uh, again, like it's something about that the 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 power of thought i guess if you were totally into the traveler it would it would make it make a lot more sense but i just for some reason i can't get on couldn't get completely on board with the whole thought thing but with that let's go around the horn and see what everybody has been working on podcast related or otherwise and i'll go to you again cal jumps well i will as i normally am likely to do will point everyone to DiscussingWho.com if you're a fan of Doctor Who or if you're interested in learning about Doctor Who for the very first time, go to DiscussingWho.com and check out me, Clarence, and our fellow co-host, Lee Shackelford. Awesome sauce. Jonathan Shorts. Uh, so, hadn't had a lot of time to absorb any media, but in my free time, I've been watching Star Trek TNG, so that's always a reference or recommendation. Uh, also, I would like to throw out a recommendation for the Breaking Points podcast. Mm. Uh, it is a basically a news show. Uh, and forgive me, I can't tell you these. Crystal and Sagar, uh, they used to do a thing on the Heel Network called Rising. Uh, one's a conservative Republican, one's a Democrat. And they just kind of throw issues out there. But... It's probably the most balanced and honest news source I've found here recently. Uh, and that's a Breaking Points podcast. You can find it on any of your podcasters. I think it's pretty good. That's Discussing Network from Kyle and Breaking Point podcast from John. And I'm going to say if you have HBO Max, check out the new Space Jam. 
hear me out, hear me out. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually really, really good. And I did not expect it to be that good. And it stars Sonequa Martin-Green as LeBron James' wife in the movie. So if you're a Star Trek Discovery fan, you want some Sonequa Martin-Green as you've never seen her before. (laughs) <laughs> definitely check out space jam uh, i enjoyed it man it's, it's 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 a good fun romp let me ask this i absolutely loved the original space jam is this gonna throw that out the window i mean is this gonna be bad based on that if, if you love the original you will love this one as well because all the reviews i'm seeing are like terrible well i mean it, it's definitely a nostalgia trip there's there's references and people in it you wouldn't expect to be in it um, I'll just say that just, just trust me. I, I had fun with it. I watched it with no expectations at all and I enjoyed it and I had to support Sonequa Martin Green, man. Come on now. Any reason to see her is a good reason. Oh yeah, indeed. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we are wrapping it up. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us. What are your thoughts on remember me? Do you agree with our ratings or our points that we brought up on this episode? Set us right. You can send in feedback to fans at DiscussingTrek.com, at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. Once again, guys, thanks for joining. And until next time, live long and prosper. listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe Jumping in right here for a quick word from Eagle Moss. Eagle Moss is the world's leading licensed collectible company. Eagle Moss is running a sweepstakes for Star Trek Cruise 2022. The grand prize will include a complimentary Ocean View cabin for two on the sold out 2022 Star Trek Cruise. If you want to participate, simply go to tinylittleships.com and sign up. Again, that's tinylittleships.com. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.